So why did he need a uh, black director? Could a white director not have... It's not color, it's culture. S explain the difference, because I think we're, we're Steven in Steven Spielberg right did Schindler's List. Mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese did Goodfellas, right? Steven Spielberg could direct Goodfellas. Martin Scorsese probably could have done a good job with Schindler's List, but they're cultural differences. I know, you know, we all know what it is when a hot comb hits your hair on a Sunday morning, what it smells like. Huh? That's a cultural difference, not just a color difference. Right. So it's a culture. What's going on, good people? Rich here. Ray P here <laughs> <laughs> hey i was waiting for that school in the building you know i, I was like you know that too said it in my head i was like school in the building but what's going on y'all it's your girl ray p back for another episode of the culture garden podcast what's going on rich hey it's slow motion man it's a pleasure to be here with you recording man i gotta say it one time for the one time what's happening what's happening this is in my head i got to get the whole thought out but um as you can tell, school's not with us, man. He's celebrating his anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to school and his wife, Mallory. Yes. I hope they're having a great time. Um, you know, we told school, it's okay, man. It's okay to take the day off and, and celebrate your, your, your marriage. It's all good. Sure. Um, but now, nah, shout out to... <laughs> <laughs> shout out to them, man. Much love. Uh, but yeah, we're back at it again with another episode of the Culture Garden Podcast. We appreciate all of y'all out there, whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, Google. Uh, we appreciate y'all. We really do. We thank y'all for continuing to just listen, feed, give us feedback, be a part of this community that we built, Culture Garden family. Um, thank you. We can't say it enough. Speaking of school, shout out to School's Guilty Pleasure. Just yeah. had another episode released um, on Tuesday. Joyride, 2001 film starring Paul Walker, right, be right before his Fast and Furious um, fame. So, yeah, School's Guilty Pleasure, man. It's, it's a fun time. He had a special guest, Mia, who was on the Candyman episode of the Culture Garden podcast. Um, shout out to her for just coming in and sharing her love for her films. Uh, she did a really good job, and she loves movies the same way we do. So. I'm looking forward to collaborating with her more on some things in the future. I think she'd be perfect for our uh, our Marvel DC comic fantasy stuff because that's right in her alley. <laughs> and Ray, like, yeah, I ain't, I ain't with it. I ain't with it. But now, nah, shout out to her. Black Panther. <laughs> you said, well, yeah, the only one you saw is Black Panther. I know, so it's cool. We got you covered. Yeah, we got you covered, Ray P. Don't worry, don't worry. We, if you ever want to dive into the world. Just listen to the pod whenever it comes out. It'll be sometime in 2024. We'll, we'll get that part started. But sure. um, it's just dope to always have good people around and to be around. Um, shout out to Mo from Another Week in the Books. He had mm -hmm. hit me up and had asked, you like, who's the talented, you know, young lady that you had on the Candyman episode? Like, how do you keep finding talented people? And I'm just like, man, this is a blessing. Sometimes when you just do it, walking your passion, I guess, For sure. meet certain people, it works out. Um, all the way from, you know, like I said, we just had Mia on school, of course, you know what that is. And as soon as Rachel joined the pod, I felt like Chicago in 84, you know, when Jordan <laughs> came to town, it, it just ain't been the same since it just took off. We got right. to go. Yeah. So it yep. makes it, it makes this, it makes this easy um, each and every week. So shout out to y'all, man. I appreciate you speaking to Ray P. It's me. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. Hey. We got y'all. We got y'all. It's coming. Got y'all. It's coming back. 
It's I'm time. Hyped. It's time. I'm hype. Rap I, shit. I don't have time because I've been all over the place. But rap shit is back. Or will be back by the time this comes out. And I need to do a rewatch. You and me both. I thought about that. I was going to text you that uh, a couple of days ago. But then I told myself they're 30 minute episodes. And honestly, by the time we record, yeah, I might be able to squeeze them in between work, air quotes, if you're not watching. For sure. Um, I think I can knock out a season. For sure. I think I can knock out a season, man. Right. But I'm really excited to get started on that with you. Uh, Rap Shit coming back on Thursday, the same day this episode releases. And we'll have an episode out over the weekend monday yeah. at the latest um yeah. but around that range yeah we we'll, we'll make sure we get our schedule on point for y'all please remember to like subscribe share if you follow the link tree in the description it will take you to all of these podcasts that i'm discussing um you can view the backlogs all the archives everything that we've done in the past um yeah we're just growing and getting better and looking forward to this episode today before we get into it there will be spoilers and explicit content Today's film, if you can tell by the title, is The Inkwell, the 1994. We'll call it a classic. I'm going to call it classic, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit later. So the synopsis of the film, a shy, troubled young man who set his own house on fire and has an imaginary friend is sent to a vineyard where he finds himself in the middle of his political arguing, party-loving family, and his love torn between two girls. Eh, that last line, we'll discuss it a little bit further. Um, as far as the stats go, the film was released April 22nd, 1994, directed by Maddie Rich. He directed this at the age of 21, which Ray P, I'm going to bring that up in here in a few moments. Uh, his debut was a film called Straight Out of Brooklyn. If you've heard of that film, it's probably because we just mentioned it in the Minister Society episode, as far as that wave of these um, quote unquote hood movies that came out in the early 90s. The film was written by Trey Ellis and Paris Qualis. There's an interesting story behind that. Had a budget of an estimated $8 million and made $8.8 million. Just made it. Two point, just made it. $800,000 profit. Um, $2.3 million opening weekend. It is not streaming anywhere, um, but it is definitely worth a rent. It's worth the $434, whatever the taxes are on it. Yeah. It's definitely worth a watch. It's um, very enjoyable. Very enjoyable watch. Um, no awards that were listed for the film as far as the cast go. And this is something that school wanted me to specifically say. He's text Rachel and myself. Um, Lorenz Tate. Mm -hmm. Drew, uh, he plays Drew Tate in the film, uh, but he did want to make sure we give him all his flowers. Um, we just did that in Menace. We do it every single time Lorenz is um, brought up on this podcast. Yeah, uh, I think I said on the Menace episode, I believe that he doesn't get enough credit for his range and what he can do in this film. Rachel, you point to it a lot about his performance in this film, just because of how different it was from the old dog character, which is an icon in the, in the culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you got Lorenz Tate as Drew Tate, Joe Morton is Kenny Tate. I want to give him his flowers. Joe Morton is the type of, he's the, he's the person or one of the people, should I say he, he he's the embodiment embodiment of, why we started this podcast. Absolutely. For people who are just insanely talented, who don't get that necessarily mainstream recognition, mm -hmm. but can hang with the best of them. Ironically, we're going to be talking about Joe Morton on next week's episode too, but y'all wait for that. 
Suzanne Douglas, what can you say about her? We legend. gave her some flowers on Really Love. Absolute legend. Mm -hmm. Going way too soon, uh, but was very enjoyable in this film and it looked incredible. Suzanne Douglas did an amazing job. Clint, Glenn Turman as Spencer Phillips. Mm -hmm. Vanessa Bell Calloway as Francis Phillips. Once again, another oh, legend. Yeah. This film, <laughs> Ohio's very own. This film is um, filled with them. Absolutely. We've got some great people in this film. Adrian Joy Johnson, better known as AJ Johnson, as Heather Lee. Morris Chestnut as Harold Lee. Jada Pinkett Smith, or Jada Pinkett at the time, as Lauren Kelly. Dwayne Martin as Junior Phillips. Mary Alice as Evelyn. And Phyllis Yvonne Stickney as Dr. Wade. Ray P. Yes. For, for those of y'all who you know listen all the time, you know if you're new to this podcast, every week, school, Rachel, and myself will rotate the films. This is your week to choose. Ray P, why'd you pick the inkwell? Okay, number one, I fucking love this movie. There is probably only one person, shout out to Jocelyn, who loves this movie as much as I love the inkwell. And mm. why I picked it is actually, you shouted out Mo earlier, is because of our guest appearance on Another Week in the Books during our oh. conversation. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe it was Mo who said, you know, we I just miss knowing her for acting. So I'm mm -hmm. like, let's shout out Jada for one of her super, super early roles. And this happens to be a movie that is one light, you know, coming off of Menace and Halloween or Candyman, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> and everything else, you know, let's do something lighthearted coming of age, quote unquote, uh, and just a really easy, good watch. And it's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. So I was really, really happy to double back. And again, you touched on it. This cast is star studded. And mm -hmm. honestly, we think about how small Black Hollywood, there is such a group. I don't even want to call it a six degrees of separation. So let me do this real quick. Glenn Turman, Joe Morton, Mary Alice, Vanessa Bell Calloway, Jada Pinkett, Yvonne. Different Bush, world. Sydney, AJ Johnson, all on a different world. Okay. Yep, different world. Then Suzanne Douglas wasn't on a different world, but she was on the Cosby show as to which they are all linked. Lorenz Tate wasn't on a different world, but he was in Girls Trip with Jada, two people who have worked together. And then Dwayne Martin wasn't on any of those shows. However, Dwayne Martin was the star in All About Us, which was executive produced and created by Jada Pinkett. Then uh, Dwayne Martin and Morris Chestnut both starred on Out All Night, which came out of the nineties, which was like their breakout. Crazy! All these hey, people are connected. I, listen, you know what you just did is right up my alley. I'm over here like, yeah, let's go, repeat. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Uh, the, I the love three it. degrees of separation. Three degrees of separation. Absolutely. You missed one, too. The same year, 1994, Suzanne Douglas, Jada Pinkett, Jason's Lyric. Jason's Lyric. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. There is that world. I know we talk about, especially our era, we talk about that 
infamous late 90s, early 2000 pool. Mm -hmm. um, Morris Chestnut's still in there. Um, Jada, I don't think, I don't even know if she's necessarily still in that pool per se, but your Nia Longs, your um, Gabrielle Unions, pretty much anybody you saw on Brown Sugar, Best Man, The Wood, in that era was all in that kind of same pot. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. But the man, they did an incredible job and they did a great job of showing them in a regular light. It wasn't, you know, we, we talked about the era we're in. Um, and this is something Lorenz Tate talked about. Well, I'm, before I even get there, let's go back to your six degrees of separation. I just thought of something when I said Lorenz Tate. Uh -huh. So Will Smith came on set of the Inkwell. Okay. To holler at Jada, but not holler in the way we think. Mind you, this is 1993. Mm -hmm. He went to set to personally ask Jada to be on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, wow. And this was the time, we talk about this all the time on The Culture Guard. Mm -hmm. You were either movies or TV. And at that time, you weren't leaving movies to go do TV. It was yeah. just unheard of. That's, that's hustling backwards. Mm -hmm. So she really went back and forth, and it's different. That's why he had to go in person like, yo... Like, I really want you on the show. Obviously, she turns it down. Neil Long gets the part. The rest, as they say, is history. Even beyond that. Cameo. You said what? Jada does do a cameo. Yeah, she does a cameo. But he wanted her to be uh, Lisa. Lisa. Okay. He wanted her to be Lisa. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they ended up being married. Yeah. Dwayne Martin also appeared on an episode of The Fresh Prince. Go ahead. <laughs> Dwayne Martin. And Will Smith, our best friends. You want to keep going? Yeah, go for let's it. Take, let's take it to house party. Come on. Oh, there we go. Okay. AJ. AJ, Johnson. <laughs> AJ Johnson's in this film. Guess who visits her on set? Play. Martin. Tisha Campbell. Tisha Campbell. Guess awesome. who hits it off on set of the Inkwell? Tisha Campbell, Dwayne Martin. Guess who gets married? Oh, damn. Where the hell are y'all getting content like this anywhere else? <laughs> Connectedness. You know <laughs> I'm just saying, man, it all it all came together. It all came together. Absolutely. But I was going to make the point of Lorenz Tate, and he was talking about how studios, and we we mentioned the budget, $8.8 million, um, $8 million budget, gross $8.8. .8. Mm -hmm. 1994, studios didn't know how to market a regular Black movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it didn't involve murder, turmoil, some kind of drama, drugs that whole vein they didn't know how to actually sell that so they mm -hmm. didn't promote it you know you see a similar thing with crooklyn which i'm gonna mention a couple more times i mean shout out to christine shout out to aj shout out to mia <laughs> i've heard all of your complaints about crooklyn and and the take on it i get it uh, but we have to compare them because I, I i can't help but see the um you know the man version mm -hmm. of crooklyn okay. as far as the coming of age mm -hmm. different movies same idea. I think yeah. I said it before. Crooklyn just wasn't. We were just kind of dropped in the world without any explanation. It just kind of walked this life. There was no end game. There was nothing we were really supposed to learn or take away from it, other than what we gather. It is our own, um, in our own individual thoughts, which is art. That's what it's for. This was more of a story. There was a, a first act, second act, third act. We want to yeah. see what happens with this character because we know where he starts and how it needs to end. Yeah. Um, how it should end or whatever you want to call it. So they're they're a little bit different in that sense. But I do see the comparison between them. Is it a classic or not? Nah? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And it could just be my bias, but this is a classic black 
coming of age again movie cast performance it holds up it's still good it's still good it's especially so good. being based in 1976 this mm -hmm. film is it came out in 94 based in 76 it still holds up you can still watch this i watched this multiple times like in the past couple of days just getting ready for it not yeah. because i needed to continue to take notes i just enjoyed certain moments of the film and i have a personal tie to it just watching the story i'm gonna say it's a classic i think you will probably consider it overall as a cult classic yeah um i think that's fair but those who love it love it and we'll Absolutely. defend it to the end Absolutely. And we'll get on people's head. Like, why do you not like the why are you not watching this movie more? Yeah. Um, like you said, light's perfect. We had the new category better than the last movie, which isn't necessarily fair because the last movie was Candyman. Neither one of us, as much as I enjoyed the episode and the conversation, neither one of us are really horror movie people. So yeah. I want to see if you think it's better than Crooklyn. The Inkwell? Yes. Um, and like I say it all the time, comparisons to Thief of Joy. I'm not trying to do that, but I did compare the type couple movies, and I wanted to see what your thought was. I want to shift it somewhere else. Okay. You can't necessarily say they're the same, but they have kind of a similar undertone. Is the Inkwell better than Eve's Bayou? No. No. I understand the pause. <laughs> I understand the pause. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. not. When you really look at it, it's not. Yeah. But it it makes you think. But it makes you think. It's so good. And there are two different feelings um, mm -hmm. that both films evoke. But I'm going to say no. Just because the writing, the story is just a little bit more in Eve's Bayou but the mm -hmm. performances are stellar across the board in both films. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that take. It's it like I said, I understand the pause. I gotta give it to Eve's Bayou for that moment. We it's we still really haven't seen another movie like Eve's Bayou. No. You know what I mean? Like it's it's in its own special category and place. It's it's a great movie. So let's talk about the origin of this film. Okay. <laughs> First and foremost, let's talk about the inkwell itself. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a real place. It's a strip of a beach located in Oak Bluffs, which is part of Martha's Vineyard, mm -hmm. Massachusetts. Um, when you think of the Inkwell, you're thinking of the 1890s. Um, you hear Spencer talk about it in the film. You know, black people started coming on this beach at the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. um, the talented tenth, you know, your uppity bourgeois. Yep, exactly. You're, uh, as, as Kenny liked to say, your bourgeois bungle, jungle bunnies. I don't know what he called them. <laughs> Either way, he ain't like these niggas. But that's what the that is a real piece of area. And obviously the town of Oak Bluff was not segregated, but the beach kind of was. So colored people, this is your color section, Inkwell. That's where the name comes from. It was greenlit in 1992. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned Ellis, um, who uh what's his first name? Trey Ellis, excuse me, who wrote the film. All right, this is his story. He wanted to direct the film. And this is a Disney film. I don't know if you hear oh, for more people, if that's that. common knowledge. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney's the one who put this out, similar to Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman's a Disney movie, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he wanted to direct it. He It's a semi-autobiographical story for him, a la Eve's Bayou. 
but he had a much different vision and a much different screenplay. Mm-hmm. Disney was pushing um, Rich, who was, you know, Matty Rich, who had just done Straight Out of Brooklyn, was in that vein of Spike Lee, John Singleton, young black directors. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first thing that Ellis thought was, this nigga 21. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Ray P, do you think the fact that he was four years old in 1976 had, do you think the movie could have been enhanced had you got someone who was of age in 1976 that might have been able to tell the story or uh, emulate the time a little bit better? Honestly, I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. Only because the story, it's still this same exact story could have still been 1994. Still be 2023. Yeah, it. there was nothing, and correct me if I'm wrong, as many times as I've seen it in the past and even in preparation, there's nothing other than the costuming and, you know, the dancing that is solely relegated to the 70s. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. This could be now, we could do this same thing, same caliber of cast now and not change the script other than like updating the lingo, this, that, and the third. You know what I'm saying? So I don't don't Mm -hmm. think that matters so much because the time of the movie isn't like a character of the movie like the area of itself is, you know? Yeah, I swear we're on the same page because that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say we talk a lot about characters, like whether it's cities, um, eras, being a character in the film. And that didn't serve me for this. It, like yeah. You said it perfectly. This could have been told in any kind of era. You can make this movie every 10 to 15 years if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it'll be as good, but you just adjust it to whatever is going on in the current times. And today's version will have something to do with social media and your self-esteem and all of that. You can flip all of this. Absolutely. I don't think it had anything to do with it. I do understand the idea of probably being slighted. Like, bro, I wrote, I spent two years on this script. Yeah. Um, it's loosely based on my life and my experiences. I want to direct it. And I'm cool with not directing it. He said he was cool with not directing it. But don't get this young, and maybe, you know, it's part of it. Don't get this young dude in here. Yeah. Sure. I want to get somebody I can learn from. Not necessarily him. And he said their first meeting, Ellis, when I say he, Ellis said their first meeting, Maddie Rich said, hey, I like the script. I love it. And as soon as he Ellis had to give the I think this is an interesting caveat. Ellis had to give the final approval for the director. This Mm. is his story. So Mm. he pretty much Maddie Rich came in and put that charm on him. Let him know. Yeah, I'm all bored. We let's do it. As soon as that deal was signed, sent in some rewrites. (laughs) He said said the family wasn't black enough, which Trey Ellis says he thinks that he meant it wasn't stereotypically black enough. Mm-hmm. There were some rewrites that um, Maddie Rich did where Kenny was, you know, saying motherfucker and he was drinking Coke 45s and just kind of being a lack for, for yes. lack of better terms. Exactly. Exactly. He was being that. And at the, it got to the point where Trey Ellis was like, I'm, this ain't my movie. This ain't my story. I'm out. And he got replaced. So the other um, writer that I mentioned, the screenplay, Paris Qualls, he came in and did some of the rewrites. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you ask, they can tell you what was good and what wasn't good with the film. A lot of people said, you know, the characters were cool. The story needed some help. Some people said the story uh, was cool. The characters needed some help. 
I think they did a great job, but I am curious to know what they would have done if everybody was on the same page and cohesive. I, hmm, I'm in agreement with you. I think they both hold up well. And I got something for you. Not finish. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. But I got something for you that I really want to get your thoughts on from the okay. original script to what we saw in the film. Okay. As somebody who understands and speaks black bourgeoisie very well, I think they got it spot on. I they, they Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Yes. Dare I say, dare I say, if we really sat down and made a list top three top five mm -hmm. this is right this is they i mean they nailed it they and this is 76 that this is that fresh bourgeois yeah negro and the juxtaposition against again 76 against the black panther coming off mm -hmm. of his work with the party I think they nailed it. I don't look know. At how, look at how we talk about Black Republicans today. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that shit when the Black Panther Party and all mm. of these, you know, this movement that was happening in the 60s, 70s yeah. was going on. Like, that had to be. He said it. You know, you have to know how to fight. But that's just an interesting thing that they dove into with this film. Absolutely. All right. So here's what I think. I'm not speaking for Trey Ellis. I can't speak for him. But here's what I think his major beef was with this film. Mm -hmm. It's semi-autobiographical, which makes me believe that he's Drew. Yes. Iago, the wooden doll, was originally written as a family Dalmatian. It's Drew's best friend. Man, man and his best friend. His best friend, okay. I believe that he felt once again, for lack of better terms, that they weirded, weirded Drew out too much. His, he said his original script was supposed to be about a young teen finding love and coming into that part of his life. Mm -hmm. And they added on all this other stuff. You know, the quirkiness, the... And who knows how quirky he would have been, mm -hmm. but the burning down the house, all of this stuff was added in. And I thought that was just a very interesting tidbit that somehow they got changed. He even was a quoted saying... Trey Ellis hated this movie. But when the film was coming out, he was going on a promo tour saying this shit's trash. For like for for you know. Oh wow. Which I feel a kind of a way about, but I see both sides. This is my yes. story. This is my That's life. This is my movie. Y'all butchered it. <laughs> yeah. But on the other end, there's a lot of people who put a lot of time, effort. That doesn't discredit their work on the film and mm -hmm. the end result because this wasn't well received. Critics didn't like it when it came out. Yeah, I could see it was that. actually the generation, it was our generation, Rachel, that really made this film what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, once it started getting that syndication, once we reached Drew's age and all of them, yeah, we were kind of the ones that said, Oh, yeah, the inkwell, this is shit. How did y'all sleep on this in 94? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just interesting stuff, man. How these movies come about and um everything else. So, as far as first experiences, do you remember the first time you saw it? I do again. Um, so my friend Jocelyn. I watched it at her house. So you said on syndications, because I don't remember her having a, a tape of it at all. But I feel like it, not that you say Disney Channel, it's a Disney movie. It did used to come on a Disney Channel. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, the first time I saw it was with her at her house. And then I just watched it repeatedly 
<laughs> so it was it was like at first sight. How yeah. old were you? You said young. Yes, we weren't teenagers. We okay. weren't teenagers. I don't remember how old we were, but maybe 10, 10 ish, 10, 12. Mm, 10, 12. Okay. I really want to say closer to 10. Yeah. So, okay, you got a younger version than this. This is 85. School was famously say this is an 85, 85 classic for me. Okay. You know, our grandparents' house. This is something that when I say every day when I got off that bus, Disney Channel was on, mm-hmm. Disney Channel was on. Yeah. You know, whether it was a uh, uh, Growing Pains, even Stevens, all of that stuff. I watched everything and they would have the movies on. And that's when I got hit. I was a little bit older. I was probably about 13. Okay. Um, this is like seventh, eighth grade for me, but I mm-hmm. instantly could relate to just being in that part of your life. And yeah. I, I love being dropped back into my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And Drew is an interesting character because I relate to him, but I don't relate to him. Mm-hmm. I relate to him in the sense of everyone has a point where they're really trying to find themselves. Everyone has a point of their lives, whether it be two weeks, whether it be a year, just that coming of age moment, that one part of your life where you transition from the adolescence to, all right, I'm about to be a man. Yeah. Like eighth grade was at it. it that was, something happened between seventh and eighth grade for me. Mm-hmm. And it was just different. And then I think, again, once I became a junior in high school, it changed again. Okay. Like there's these transitions. And you saw what that looks like firsthand for Drew. And he's a completely different person by the time the, this film ends than what he was at the beginning. But he's still the same mild manner. Like he, he it didn't destroy him. His his yeah. pain didn't destroy him mm-hmm. from what we saw, you know. And a lot of us, if you've ever been through any kind of heartbreak or pain like that, you know what uh, Lauren Kelly was doing to him, that could turn you into a dog. For sure, for sure. But you, Drew, Drew kept his naivete. You know. It's men still holding on to their seventh grade heartbreak at 30. Yeah, we've all we've all had a Lauren Kelly. I'm glad I'm low-key glad school's not here right now because right now he's probably thinking of Jay-Z's song cry. I'm not gonna say anything else past that. Oh, he Lord. knows exactly what I'm talking about. He's getting weak listening to it, but we've yeah. all had a Lauren Kelly. Like, trust me, we all had one. Hopefully, they were in your teenage years and you still ain't chasing Lauren, but they out there for sure. For sure. The father, the father-son bond. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the one thing I really love about this film is, you know, the older we get, the more, the less first experiences we get. You know, we have to, we have to really work to get new first experiences. Yeah. Whether it's traveling, going to new places, trying new restaurants, all of that. Um, when you're growing up, everything's first experiences. When you're a teenager, you're getting a ton of it. Right. And mm-hmm. one of the first experiences, and probably because I'm not a parent, I know you're not a parent either, is parenting. Like yeah. that is the first experience. So there's no rule book for it. I have so much more respect for my parents as I get older because absolutely, nigga, I'm struggling. Nigga, at how'd all. y'all do this? <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? How'd y'all do this yeah. and really like maintain yourself? You have to sacrifice a part of yourself for it. And I've always thought, I, well, I, I never took the time to think about a man wanting a son. Mm-hmm. And then getting a son, and having he's certain good. expectations of what that son is going to be, yeah. And then he's not that. And yeah. how do you transition into that? How do you build that bond? How do you still show that that's my nigga when you don't know how to do that? And I think this film did a great job of that. 
Absolutely. I think about that a lot uh, where we see and we see it in real life, you know, where there are these social butterfly parents and just extroverted people, people's people, your niggas, niggas. And then Mm -hmm. they have these kids who are just the total opposite trying to figure out how to navigate and relate and you look at your kids i'm not going to name any names but (laughs) (laughs) and you'd be like damn i wouldn't hang out with them you know if they weren't if we were the same age like they wouldn't be in my friend group yeah and reconciling with yourself how do i one relate to this how do i still show my child or children that I love them despite them being different from me. And how mm-hmm. do I check myself, you know, and, and yeah. check that expectation and not show disappointment that they're not who I painted them to be or who I imagined them to be, wanted them yeah. to be in my head, you know, it's it's tough. Shout yeah, out it's, to it's, you it's, that. <laughs> yeah, it's very tough because we we as a whole, I think as a community, we grow up in a dictatorship. Yeah. You know, it's we're not, we weren't raised to have voices per se, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of us probably had our own serious talks and our parents, you know, had those moments. But overall, it's my way or the highway. This is my shit. That's So it. parents don't know how to, I don't, he said it in, the, Kenny said it in the movie, I don't understand why he's not causing trouble or chasing girls, but there's also something where Kenny was failed because he doesn't know how to lean into the gadgets and lean into the uh, you know, all the idio- yeah the idiosyncrasies that 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 uh, Drew has and maybe I can open his world a little bit more. I see he's drawn to this. Let's see where this takes him. Yeah, um, and that's that's a that's a no that's levels of unlocking mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. maturity. That's levels of breaking trauma bond or not trauma bonds but uh, generational trauma and curses. Yeah, so it's a, it's a man. You can go really deep with all this, of this, but it's a. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Said, this is what I will say in relation to the timing or the era of this. In the seventies, again, Kenny is a former or current ish Black Panther. The expectation is for you to be stoic. And dare I say militant just because of what you come from and what's going on in society. And here is this child who is just free, you know, that Kenny can't, he can't reconcile that. And just think about how maybe he was raised because the men of that era, he was grown in 76, but even the people who were children coming up, they very different than how we are now and sort of the expectation of parents. Mm -hmm. But like those men have a hard time already with connecting emotionally to their children. It's already, it's a hard wrought fight to get your 75 year old (laughs) uncle or father, grandfather to hug you and not shake your hand when they greet you as a young man. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, absolutely. Very tricky. You spot on. You spot on with that, and it, it progresses with time. Mm-hmm. That's the good thing, and hopefully, we continue to do so. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing with that is the older, whoever's the oldest generation, has to be the ones leading that charge mm-hmm. and showing that it is okay. Like you said, Ray, there are still some 
hardened men that just this is what men do. Absolutely. This is how we operate. And sometimes it's okay to, you know, hey man, give me a hug, my nigga. Like you ain't gotta hold all that in. You good. You're my, my dog, man. He's crazy. Yeah, like you know, and that's just something that's in them. You can't break it. It's, it's and that's it. And you know, yeah. once you have some understanding about yourself, like you don't even take it personally because that's just yeah, yeah. Get to know your peoples, man. Get to understand. As best you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the last thing I'll say before we start jumping into scenes and categories, one thing that we don't talk about a ton, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about, uh, you know, class and division. You know, we talk about all the injustices that we've endured mm -hmm. um, since the time we've, you know, stepped foot on this land. We don't talk about necessarily how we do it to each other. For sure. For you sure. know what I mean? Uh-huh. And there's there's a black class and there's a black elite. Absolutely. Um, that will look at other black people a certain way. Absolutely. And it's a it's a it's a exclusive club. Mm -hmm. And people who get there, if it, if it, if you work for it, you probably hold on to it a little bit tighter. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see that seeping throughout this entire film. You see who mom gravitates toward. Mm -hmm. You see how Kenny is viewed, how he's referred to. Yeah. Uh, you see everybody on the beach. You see that even the kids, mm -hmm. they just live a different life. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't know. It's, it's hard to fit in if you're not from there. And I guess that's the most troubling thing. You don't, you can't, it's hard to fit in if you're not from there. If you're not from that world, I, I was going to put on my Martha's Vineyard shirt, but. <laughs> I couldn't find it. <laughs> I, couldn't find it. I, I got a. I say, I got a vineyard T-shirt as well. Yeah, I've not been to the vineyard, but my parents brought it back. <laughs> Big sis brought mine back, man. We we yeah. wanted to say right. Big sis brought mine back. I'll be out stunning. So living vicariously, and then that's oh, that's the other thing when thinking of uh, the vineyard. Uh, jump in the broom, you know that's where they were. Mm -hmm. uh, I started off with this saying, you know, I speak black bourgeoisie very well i know it it's tangible to me it's familiar it's a relatable story and also on the flip side so it's the niggas 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 proud black you know so i think for me maybe this movie was not really autobiographical because never been a weird girl but <laughs> <laughs> but i could relate to the meshing of two very different cultures mm -hmm. um all within the same family i i, I understand that completely <laughs> I, I understand that completely yeah so i think that's something we share mm -hmm. um you and i just somebody who's known you for a very long time i think both of us have a skill of being able to be comfortable in any room Mm -hmm. Whether we want to be in the room or not is a different question. Yeah. But we can manage and, na and navigate and, you know, get in and get out how we need to. So mm -hmm. it, it's a it's an interesting life to live. Code switching is not just for your corporate America. Sometimes <laughs> it's really not. Sometimes it's one side of the family versus the other. <laughs> you said it best. And that gets that rolls right into. Yeah, that rolls perfectly into best scenes. And, the first scene that I have written down is that first beach experience. Okay. Uh, when Spencer and um, 
Kenny and everybody else is around the beach and they're talking about when black people started rolling into the beach and the bourgeois versus the real, the, you know, who's down with the brother man, you know, isn't this the other side? Isn't this what the struggle was about? So we can have our own section of the beach, um, yes. that American dream. You get what I'm saying? And it just, sure. the, the fundamental roots, Rachel, mm -hmm. the fundamental root of why, and I mean this seriously, of why there's really not the, a ton of progress as there needs to be in these type of conversations it's because niggas don't give a fuck. That part. Right? Nobody cares about your problems. I got my own shit and I got my own shit I'm trying to maintain. Mm -hmm. So when Kenny yells out, like, what about the people who can't have it? Where's yeah. their inkwell? And this nigga jokingly says, Coney Island? Island. That nigga laughed that off because he doesn't care. A and I don't... In the... Yeah, he just didn't care. Like, it, it's... Okay. Like, I have my life. My life has nothing to do with you and whatever else is going on out there. I'm going to make a joke about it because in my mind, I deserve this. I earned this. Yeah. And I'm not going to do anything to reach down and help y'all niggas come up. I'll take it a step further. And not even that I won't reach down and help you. It's how far am I going to reach down? You know what I'm saying? Because there's probably some upwardly mobile but lower quote-unquote class young black kid that Spencer might have been able to take under his wing but it would all be a condition of me seeing myself in you or truly believing that you could be successful and be on this path you know what I'm saying Ugh, bootstraps yeah. Bootstrap. Bootstrap Blacks. I, I want to... There's nobody... There's not a single character whose backstory I want more than Spencer's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, out of anybody in this film. We'll get to another thing and things that bother me. Mm -hmm. uh, but most importantly, I want Spencer's backstory. I want to know how he became who he was, what he actually... I know he's a politician. Yeah. All of that. Like, his... I, I want to see his... Born into it, or... I want to see his I want to see his vulnerable moments. I want to see if he's really like that, or if he holds a weight and he he if everything that Kenny says that he gets from all black people for the most part, I wonder if that really weighs down on him. I I want to know more about Spencer. He's a very interesting character. All right, Ray, what you got for your next scene? Actually, that was my second, but so my first scene was the intro in general. Before we get to the beach, it's us up in upstate New York meeting the Tates, seeing who they are. And then once they even get to the island, it's seeing who uh, Spencer and them are. Just because I always, I feel like I always start with the intros to a movie, but figuring out or meeting characters is so important to me because it literally tells the story of the rest of the film. No matter what else happens, your first introduction to somebody is so important because it's always going to be key to whatever plot rising and falling actions happen in the movie. So I was, I started there. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 with you. I, there were so many that I didn't add it in. Yeah. Um. But I I I probably say it every episode. I usually love all character introductions. I love nothing more than when you tell me exactly who this person is. Absolutely. And we got a good idea of that. Uh, the next scene is going to be just brief. Junior's friends coming to pick them up for that first mm -hmm. dance. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, for one, Dwayne Martin's dance moves, right? Like the, specifically, <laughs> two in mind when he comes down them steps and he uh-huh. hits that little, you know what I mean? Yeah. And gets in the car, and then when he's at the dance and all that, you know what I mean? I, don't don't I'm Ray, I know you're gonna be like, what's what's that move again? I ain't doing that shit. I was gonna do it. Uh, Today. But I just thought that was it. Just it, it captured the times when people actually used to go out kick it. Mm-hmm. Like that's how they're socialized. I, I love seeing that. And also, don't mess with my family, bro. Yeah. Like don't don't. This is my fam. Yeah, he's coming. Like that's my. Don't don't play with me. Like I I know I'm the. Don't play with me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but consider consider this. Not just that. Drew is very visibly weird, you know. Consider he also isn't he a little younger than Junior? They're not quite the same age. They have to. I, I was gonna ask you that. How old is Junior? I so, all right, so they mentioned Drew is they 16. mentioned school starts in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So he's still in high school. So I'm assuming he's about to be 18. Like this is coming out his senior year. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. That that's always, because again, Drew was on a bike in Candley, New York versus Massachusetts, even in New York, you know, but Juniors and his friends are driving. So I assume maybe at least a year difference. Yeah, I'm thinking that too. Definitely younger. He gave me younger cousin vibes. Little cousin. So little cousin's always going to get a little something. So I'm like, ah, this little nigga. And he weird right. too, dog. <laughs> yeah, nah, that's real. That's real. Uh, one last thing. Junior's dancing in that scene. It reminded me of uh, the Kiki Palmer video that you posted maybe a month or so ago. Mm. A dream date <laughs> sitting, sitting across from a real nigga. Period. The dancing she did in that video was hilarious. And that always reminds me of that. Uh, what you got for your what you got for your next scene, man? Okay. Uh we I'm back on the beach. I got Drew in the seashells just because he's crazy. But Kenny and Spencer, their first fight on that beach, talking about again, talking about Drew and what he's got going on. And then this is where we really see that um Kenny and Brenda have some tension between the two of them, you know, even though that is birthed or exposed because of the fight or the disagreement uh between Spencer and Kenny. And we learn even from here that this is gonna be a constant battle and how this is affecting the rest of the family and how Drew's actions or lack thereof are affecting and weighing on uh, Brenda and Kenny's relationship. So just because it's like, damn, she low-key actually dogged him on the beach. Like, you can't relate to your son and you can't take this dashiki off, nigga. And it sounds like you ain't got no bread. So... Hey, listen. So what am I doing here? And I'm with my sister in her rich-ass house on the vineyard. My mama don't like me because I'm with you, the Black Panther, who she only refers to you as that <laughs> throughout the whole movie. Are you mm-hmm. in the Black Panther fighting? Where's the Black Panther? Like, Mary Alice is crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so I just love that just because, again, the layers that this film has. Go ahead. Rachel. Yes. She told this nigga, I'm not chasing you, Kenny. And this nigga took off like Shakari. And he ran. 
He ran, he ran when she said that. I'm like, he the illest nigga alive. This nigga's crazy. But that's how, that's how a lot of us are when we get hit with that truth. When that marriage turned back against us, for sure, there is a certain expectation that every couple has mm-hmm. amongst themselves. And when you dishonor it, whatever it is that they agreed to, yeah, it's okay for someone to say, "Hey, I need a little bit more out of you." Mm-hmm. Niggas don't want to be hit with that, and a lot of times, as we've seen, that reaction is when not only are they right, but I also I don't like the place that I'm in right now. Yeah, for you sure. Know what I mean, they calling me a, a, a Black Panther and saying I work the copy machine because that's true. That's really all I got. Like, what's my next step? What's yeah. my next level? How can I connect more and make more of an impact? So I like that scene too. I love it. I love it. Uh, Drew. Drew going to uh, Dr. Wade's. Okay. Not necessarily the first time, the first family visit, but when he goes back on his own, she calls and says she wanted to see him. I got both of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd imagine you would. Mm-hmm. Drew just needed someone to see him. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't get more simple than that. Drew just needed someone to see him to recognize that he is different. And that doesn't mean that that defines who you are. It just means you've got your, we all got our own quirks. They don't stand out as much as you, Drew. Like, we don't have Iago's and we're not talking to Wooden at 16. No. You know, that's a little bit of eye behavior. Where we're probably not wearing seashells over our eyes and making corny jokes. A seashells. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're probably not sitting in the back of the of the van and scaring auntie like that because why? At sixteen, you just are expected to be out of that. Yeah. Um, but he was still seeing for who he was, regardless of how old you are. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Like you, you being who you are is one of the dopest things about you. Absolutely. And it got him to be comfortable and get to the root of it. Like, no, I didn't try to burn my house down on purpose. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. I was trying to make some rocket fuel stuff that yeah. we might find a little bit odd. <laughs> but you weren't yeah we knew that you didn't I think there was an underlying thing of did he do is our son off? okay like, is he yeah. yeah is he okay like did he try to burn our house down right like, this is a real concern you know it's as- hard to raise good citizens absolutely as to which so, concern never had that very same question <laughs> yeah and, and of course the, the best part of that scene to me or the, the, the message of it uh, was when Dr. Wade said, I know sometimes it seems as though people don't appreciate you for who you are right now, but the ones who really, really count, they'll catch on. And that's something I say all the time to people. Like, bro, the people that really fuck with you, will never. It, nothing you do will ever deter that. Sometimes it's a blessing to get people out of your life. Absolutely. You know, for certain things. So uh, I love that entire scene. For sure. Uh, I'll backtrack just a little bit and just brush over just the club and the party because again it reminded me of the wood mm-hmm. um what's the face first went to his first dance when mike went to his mm-hmm. first dance you know mm-hmm. just because you see the awkwardness but drew was still having fun he wasn't deterred by some girl saying what you went on the bus <laughs> i fuck with drew drew hey, i fuck with drew as Awkward and quirky as he was, there was still a level of confidence that Drew had that I think the other, that Junior and the rest of the fellas had, like they were afraid of being embarrassed where 
Drew is not. Even yeah. the beach where Drew speaks to Lauren Kelly for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. where Junior is like, man, she liked that with everybody. He's written her off and she is a bougie bitch, whatever. But Drew wasn't put off by her hard exterior. He just was like, oh, no, nah, she was cool. And you know what? I'll fuck with Drew for being like that. So yeah, I absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about Drew. He doesn't, I've said it before, there's this naivete about him that he doesn't even understand awkwardness and he carries around a wooden, he understands that people think that's weird. So that's a perfect example of him recognizing, oh, most people think this is odd. Let me keep this hidden. Yeah. Versus his gadgets and his bike and all the whistles and gadgets and bells. That's cool to him. Yeah. And nobody can tell him differently. I don't care if you don't think it's cool. It's cool to me. It's cool. And he to carries me. that with him. And mm-hmm. listen, there's not too many people that can take that much embarrassment. And it just shows the conditioning. Your yeah. condition is to, to be a certain way um, when you look at Junior, but yeah. Drew never picked up on that. So absolutely. I, I, Drew was a genuine dude, man. We'll we'll talk a little bit about more. He's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's a genuinely the the stereotypical this is who I would want my daughter to date once we figure out that you cool <laughs> somebody with your morals and values let's put it like that absolutely absolutely my next my next scene and this is really i think the doctor war scene that second one mm-hmm. is when the film really just i mean you scene after scene you can literally list every single scene after this yeah. um but the father son fishing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you guys who listen know like how much you know my pops meant and just those moments and even if it wasn't that i'm just a fan of reaching down to the next generation and you saw kenny trying yeah you know even when he at, there was a certain thing about the tone in his voice that said well how you feeling you say you mean now or then generally said come on man don't do that to me like i'm I'm really trying to talk to you here and I really want to get to know you a little bit better. Um, He even mentioned that in the very first scene, Rachel, uh, when he thought that Kenny was assuming when he thought Drew was in bed, he was like, look, I'm not trying to go either. They got a beach. Maybe we can spend some of that time together. Like Mm -hmm. I want to connect with you, son, because I don't understand you and I don't know you. And there's always the classic. I won't say always. Not everybody gets that, but um, I had the, Sex talk, pretty much, with Pops. Mine was, you know, I'll get a little anecdotal. Pops found a porn stash. I had some, uh, I had okay. some penthouse. I had some penthouse magazines under my mattress. Mm-hmm. And I remember Pops. I had to be in middle school because uh, Pops picked me up from my grandparents, and we mm-hmm. was driving for about five minutes, ten minutes, regular conversation. Nigga pulls the shit out. And the hands were to me. I'm like, oh man. And he was, it was just a real cool, like, listen, if you want to talk about sex, we can talk about sex. Like, this is not sex, right? Yeah. This is what you it was like a spread of this woman in some blue paint. It was weird. I just remember that shit. And he was he's I remember because he specifically said, like, sex isn't women in blue paint and this and that. Like, if you want to talk about this, we can talk about this, like this. And it wasn't anything to be embarrassed about. At first it was, because like, damn, Pops found yeah. porn. But it was like, listen, my nigga, you at that age. Changing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I, but there is a certain way to go about it. Like, don't, yeah. this ain't the route, especially early on. Like, I, mm-hmm. and I just remember that. And I remember having just those 
moments that you can only get from your pops or your OG or whoever, the, whoever serves as that role. Um, so just that it is as a whole uh, always hits hard to me because they actually, they got somewhere. You, you saw that bond. You saw, all right, this is father son. I, I loved it more for Kenny than I did for Drew. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was the first time we saw him be like, I don't want to say proud of Drew, but like genuinely connected to Drew. You mentioned that he was trying, but this is the first time where the trying actually succeeded. Like the plan Uh came together for the first time here on the water. Yeah, he could understand. He we I, we finally found something we can understand together. Yeah. Uh, what you got, Ray? I don't know. I'll just hearken. My sex talk was, you know, all you get is a soft dick and a wet ass. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, shout out, to, shout out to OG RP. Yeah, and you know exactly that's who it was from. <laughs> I know exactly who it was from, man. Come on. Come on, man. All right, people is crazy. Um, so that also lets you know which side of the family is. <clears throat> oh, shit, man. Which, which What's your family? next scene, man? <laughs> um, you already touched touched on birth both therapy sessions. Uh, just a quick going to the new beach. If you've ever been to a new beach, it's not at all what you have imagined. It very mm-hmm. like jungle beach. It's not the hot, sexy bodies. I mean, whatever body you have is hot and sexy. Don't let me say it like that. But they had condoms. They were ready for it to just be this whole thing. And Uh it's just that. It's just like that. It's never that, y'all, unless you're at, like, hedonism or something. Yeah, they're not. People who go to New Beach likely aren't trying to fuck. They, like, just, they want to be free. Baby, that's it. You That's know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you did Kenny and Drew on the boat. I'll go to Drew and Lawrence Day Date. I mm-hmm. love that so much. Again, Let's talk about it. This is Lauren after spotting Drew uh, having Heather on the back of her bike. Like, she's a jealous bitch. Like, <laughs> she did uh, the same thing at the beach when she saw her old dude. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, she calls the house. Drew, how you even knew where Lauren lived was crazy because I know he didn't call her back. Like he just ran to her house. I didn't recall <laughs> them passing her house at any point prior right. to that. But, you know, they went to the arcade. This nigga jumped in a lake or the ocean and got a lobster out of one of the traps, like cooked it. They had a real cool ass free-ish first date and it was all day it's nothing like an all-day date where it just transitions into so many different things and again as different as they are opposites attract lauren was actually feeling that nigga like once she dropped that persona and was just dare i say herself just cool she this nigga drew like they were having a good time she was relating to him on a parental trip you know she was vulnerable about it just being her and her mom like 
it was a good ass day. It, it was good to see Drew with just like a little bit of swag about him, like just taking it all in again. That quiet, quirky confidence that just really, really worked. Okay. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have this scene down. Yes. I love the date itself. Uh huh. A couple things. All right. <clears throat> ah, okay. There's for one, and this has nothing to do with Lauren. We'll get to her in a second. Mm -hmm. There is nothing like getting that call from that girl you really wanted to see. Yeah. And also, everybody has those moments where you outkick your coverage mm -hmm. and you really know, like, I ain't even supposed to be in this situation. She calling me. Yeah. Like, so I'm really about to take advantage. And just that excited, just being that excited. Mm -hmm. I don't care how cool I am now. I would get that excited. Yeah. You know, if a certain girl at 16 hit me up, like, you want to you wanna hang out? Hell yeah, let's do it. And you stumbling, knocking down her door. He doesn't even realize how awkward he's being because he's just genuinely excited to see her, which is which is pretty cool. I think you're shooting Lauren a little too much bail. Oh, just a little bit. Okay. I think by the end of the date, everything mm -hmm. you said applies. Yeah. I get it. But man, it took a while to get there. Lauren, oh, we got <laughs> Lauren's making in 2023. Lauren's making lists about places you can't take her on the first date. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? She's just doing that. I it's the jump in there and get me a lobster. Mm -hmm. You mean please? You mean that should be a good idea? It's the you know go to him for the date. I know that's after. That's after you know we ain't we ain't. All right, all right. That. You can't include that. All right, I, I can't include that. that. I can't include that. I can't include that. I'll, give me the quarter. She taking the picture. She did let him get a one, and I think that was the moment when she was like, "All right, let me see what's going on." Because there's no way, if I'm not mistaken, Junior said they, he was gone for twelve and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen, I don't want to spend I, two to three hours is a, a lot for people I love. Yeah. 12 and a half for one person? You mm -hmm. right, Rachel. You got to be feeling them. Y'all are having a good ass time because consider what we know of Lauren. She's a little bit of a bitch. Mm -hmm. The nigga that she, her ex, this is a big buff. I would say maybe a football player um, <laughs> on, on the vineyard. Um, there is just a difference, and probably the, well, that nigga ain't taking you out low key. He gonna come smash because he know your mama gone. But y'all ain't out doing things, and so there is a level of one. I'm already kind of a bitch, and I have this expectation because you should be happy to want to be with me. But also, I'm gonna take a little bit of advantage because I know I'm not getting that over here so i'm a manipulative I can see that. situation okay okay i see that right, now the most but i see that i see that i now the most important part about this scene is it's our first full-fledged moment to realize oh this nigga drew cool yeah you're cool dude yeah like, he's not any of this he, he's so far from that racing home on his bike 
mm-hmm. talking to Iago in his bag. Yeah. Like he's connecting with her. He's having real conversation. You see his, the way his brain works, you know, do you think about things that you think we from different planets or all this other stuff? Like it's just, you know, everybody likes learning something new, especially sure. from someone that they might be interested in. So that, that was most important. And right after that, when he gets home, I want to shout out Drew for this too. And this is another week in the books conversation. Shout out to Mo and Spike once again. This is, hey, fellas. They, I think they recently just were talking about how as black men, or it might have been one of the older episodes, one of those first symbols of mm-hmm. being a man is losing your virginity mm-hmm. and how many women you've been with. You know, we all have that. We talked about it in an ATL episode, you know, Big Boy's character which we always call Big Boy's character because we can never remember his name in that movie. But when he sees that, you doing something? You doing something? Like, come on, you ain't doing nothing. Everybody got the uncle that see him. Boy, what you doing? You, you doing something with that? Mm-hmm. That's just how it symbolized. Drew was so confused as to why Junior was so obsessed with that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I don't... I'm not even thinking about that, bro. I really like her. I want to get to know her. And it's I just thought that was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, because at that age you are, I'm trying to I'm trying to stick and move. Like he, so. he, <laughs> he was just so shy. Junior and Junior's look at Junior's response. Like, talk, man, we got to work on that. Getting her legs open and stuff. Like, bro, what you talking about? I ain't trying to do that. And I got to tell the fellas. That's kind of one of the things that bothered me, but I know that it was realistic. Oh, we got to tell the fellas, you know, that you did Great. this. Why? Can I all right? Can I give you a story real quick? Sure. I love stories. So, I won't say how. When I my first sexual experience, it wasn't, I don't know what I don't know what virginity is at this point. I don't know if it's like penetration mm-hmm. or before. This wasn't penetration, but it's a step before. My first like real big sexual experience. I'll never forget. Shout out to my nigga Goody. Cause I I it was I I after the deed was done, mm-hmm. I was with good and, and my other boy who's still family, my brother, no name, no blame. Okay. But I told them to, and no name, no blame. By the time that I swear within the hour, this is pre-social media within the hour. Oh girl hit me up like fuck you. Because I told two people. Mm-hmm. One person just went crazy with to it to this day. First time. Okay, super young, mm-hmm. high school, but super young. To this day, never been a kiss and tell nigga. Mm-mm. Nope, won't do it, won't say it. Mm-mm. That moment right there, at that very young age, let me know this is not the way to do it. For sure. Don't nobody want their business in the streets. Don't nobody good. What whether things are good, whether they bad, yeah. no matter how they end it, it's between me and you. I ain't mm-hmm. never gonna put you out there. You ain't put me out there. There's a certain respect about it. Yeah. This movie reminds me of that. Like, this is exactly why. I hate her. What happened, nigga? Fuck you, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't your business. <laughs> oh, my God. Is the inkwell the wood? Oh, shit. Come on. Don't do this to me right now. <laughs> don't do this to me right now. Not this the prequel. <laughs> don't do this to me right now, because you're on to something. You're on to yeah. something, man. What's your next scene? Yeah. I guess it's my scene, ain't it? Because I, I was talking about your scene. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Kenny and Spencer playing tennis. Yes. That's my next Comic scene. Comic relief right in the middle of the movie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny hit him with the famous Fresh Prince breakout Lucille, the the, <laughs> the oldest kind in the game. Oh, I don't really know how to play. Now I'm whipping your ass. Also told him, I didn't tell you I didn't know how to play. I told you I didn't want to play. That's it. Like, you yeah. just thought because of who I am that I could play this cracker ass game. Mm-hmm. In the words of Kenny, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're playing one versus one and hoop. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're playing 2K. I don't care if you're playing spades. Once you start losing, shit can start getting personal. Absolutely. It starts getting personal. Like it's out. All, it, all, the gloves are off. It don't matter. Call that nigga fake black, <laughs> fake black panther. You ran <laughs> you information officer. You ran the fucking copy machine. Yeah. Stop giving yourself fancy titles. Uh, your wife. Hey, well, this is my variation of what Kenny said. Mm-hmm. Your wife ain't got dick down good since the '60s, nigga. So stop talking to me about screws. That's the what he said. The, them punches had to land. Like them, they had to fly. There's a certain moment where you reach where all right, we had to have a physical conversation. Yeah, we gotta have a physical conversation. And that's what it came to. <laughs> um, even even the sisters arguing about whose man could whoop whose man ass. Like Brenda was so she she genuinely laughed. I, I know you don't think this nigga could beat Kenny up. But when you be the Lulu like that, <laughs> and yeah, she gonna stick. She gonna stand by. I'm gonna stand beside him. I'm gonna stick beside him. Yeah, man. And that they, Glenn Turman, the the comedic, mm-hmm. him when after he gets punched and him still mouth cussing him out with his hand over his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. One of my biggest fears, and I mean this wholeheartedly. I'm so genuine when I say this. This is why I still go to the gym. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest fears in life is being lifted off my feet as a grown man. Mm. And I'm 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 not joking. Like the idea of being helpless, if I'm into something and if, if I get lifted off my feet, that means I have no control. That yeah. would never happen. That's and that happened in this scene. And every time I see it, I think about that fear that I have. And um that nigga said he had a brown belt. I thought that shit was hilarious. <laughs> the only what the brown fuck is a brown belt closet. <laughs> what the fuck is a brown belt? Why are you bragging about that? It's right before black. That is too funny. Yeah. Um, my next scene is Kenny and Brenda making up just because. Come on, black love. <laughs> hey, Rachel. Yes, Rachel. Come see about before Sheila. Be, before <laughs> before Sheila drove up that mountain, Brenda walked on that beach. Niggas <laughs> saving their marriage. You know what I mean? Hey, come on. This is worth <laughs> worth fighting for. That same beach that Kenny ran away from her on, Brenda had to take a walk, and we see who did who was doing the chasing now. Baby, I'm mm-hmm. coming to see about you. Let's fix this. We got to get mm-hmm. it back. I love that. <laughs> I love the vulnerability and the pain that Absolutely. comes with being in love. Absolutely, it was on full display. I think the reason that scene is beautiful because they both genuinely wanted it to work. They just, they lost themselves somewhere and they didn't know how to get back to it. Yeah. Like, I want to get back here, but I don't want to be so far gone that we can't, mm-hmm. but how do we start? Um, and yeah. Brenda, go ahead, go ahead. You touched on it sort of at the top. Raising kids is hard already. Consider, mm-hmm. and we said that the error isn't a huge factor in the movie, and it could be even now, but consider what they're coming off of, maybe the lives that they were living 
through the 60s and early 70s leading up to 1976, you know, they're very different. Even Brenda even touched on the point like where the world is different, we're different, we're not mm -hmm. the same, but we know that we love each other, but how do we figure this out? And then in the midst of trying to keep ourselves together, we got this kid burning the damn house down, you know, like right. it's a lot of factors into us not being connected. And even if there wasn't, dealing with somebody being married, I'm not married, obviously, never been married. I've dealt with some niggas, I tell you. But <laughs> being connected with somebody for an extended amount of time is hard. It is really, really work. It's not easy because if you as a human, the expectation is for you to evolve, for you to grow. So we got a problem. If we're not growing, if we're stagnant, and then we have a problem if we're growing too far apart and not doing anything to make sure that we're still connected. So just shout out to them for working that thing out or at least even being committed to trying to figure it out to work it out. Mm -hmm. That was very well said, Rachel. Very well said. I think that's probably everybody's biggest fear. Like, mm -hmm. Am I going to be able to grow with my person? Yeah. Because we are going to grow. Absolutely. But are we going to be able to grow together? Absolutely. Or even if we don't understand each other to where we can still work this out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that desire for both parties to still want it. Yeah. And like reclaim their love and that reassurance. That's you know, it. Did you, you know, did you ever, did you ever stop thinking, did you ever think that I stopped loving you? Like just that, re like, no, you my, we in this, like we good. I still want to be with you. Next scene I have is Spencer and Kenny apologizing. Mm -hmm. um, because, A, that's what grown, mature people do. Um, holding grudges. I know it's not necessarily everybody on this podcast strongest suit. Once again, no name, no blame. <laughs> but okay. it is good to have it out and being able to be like, you know what? I'm not even trying to carry this drama. I'm not trying to carry this weight. We good. Um, I will admit, I think the fight helped. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you have to have release that. Yeah, you got to release that to even get to the place where you're ready to apologize, mm -hmm. um, or have some whether it's physical, whether it's just some big argument. I lie. Why did I get married at the dinner table? Just yeah. where it all comes out. You just have to get it out before you can work on uh, reconciling it. And you know, obviously, the famous black Republicans can fight. They have to. This nigga had Richard Nixon on this wall, y'all. Like they just released the tapes of Reagan and Nixon talking about. Just look it up from 1971 Crazy. if you want to know what type of dude nixon was just yeah just look him up so for for a black man in the 70s that richard nixon on your wall bro you all the way gone you was not all a nigga's nigga at all ate up all the way gone. <laughs> for sure for sure um, what you got next right i've got drew trying to warn heather about harold being out here and then mm -hmm. obviously getting into uh Drew fucking with Harold's car and him having to get out because I love making niggas pay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Drew was a genius. As smart as a whip. You're not even you're not even from here, my nigga. How did you how did you know how to maneuver all of this? Like, <laughs> how did you sort like, resources you get with no yeah, money? Yeah, like he's resourceful. Listen, 
Drew's resourceful. Shout out to Drew. Smart, resourceful, all of that. Yeah, that was always a great scene because how you gonna cheat on AJ Johnson? Come on. That he was wild. Listen, we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. Let's get to it, Rachel. Yeah. It's interesting doing research for this film. Okay. Um, nobody seems to want to talk about it. Nobody seems to want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to be very, very careful. Try to be very, very careful. And also very, very honest. Yeah. Okay. And if you haven't picked up, we're talking about Drew and Heather. Mm-hmm. Drew's 16. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old Heather is. Mm-hmm. How old are we expected to believe that she is, you think, Rachel? Low-key, they at least 30. You think that old? I was thinking younger. I was thinking in the 20s for sure. Who's, okay, 27? I was thinking Instead younger, of, but that's cool. Maybe the vineyard is small, but think they were also at Junior's parents' party at the house. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Just Listen, I don't know how old. Them up just a little bit. I don't know how old they were. And this isn't new ground. Mm-hmm. We discussed this on Juice. Yeah, let's there's make them Go ahead. Yeah, there, there's an instance in Juice where Q was in high school and there's an older woman who's a nurse. Mm-hmm. He got a key to her apartment. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, you know, Rachel, you you made the point of an ATL, mm-hmm. big boys character dropping off women in high school. Mm-hmm. If you opened your eyes mm-hmm. and paid attention when you were in high school, you probably saw some people who were older than what they should have been dropping off, picking up For sure. the whole nine. For sure. I experienced it myself. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> um. I think these things happen in the written in films because, unfortunately, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where it's normalized. And it's mm-hmm. not normal. Mm-hmm. I do think, and this is, this is I'm, I'm about to get into the, the human of me because there's going to be some hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I didn't take the scene as predatory. Okay. Um, I don't know if I should have. Mm-hmm. I know what they were trying to do, and it was I, once again I couldn't. I would I was searching high and dry for the explanation and the thought process and all of this into it. Maybe mm-hmm. it happened like this in his real life, but I think they tried to show it as some sweet way of Drew losing his virginity. Mm-hmm. Coming of age. <laughs> I think Drew, yeah, and I think that Drew was old enough, mature enough to mm-hmm. make that decision and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Heather's in a moment of vulnerability. She getting her lick back. Because let me tell you this. That's a hell of a lick. I, ex- I expect. I'm not surprised if a nigga like Morris Chestnut get my girl. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You let a nigga like Drew hit. Now I'm through the roof. So Heather knew what she was doing, Loki. Yeah, nigga get he don't get a nigga back like that. You don't get a nigga back like that. 
come on, man. Like, I know I'm moving dirty, but you done gave this little kid some. Come on. Come on. But I say that to say, if I was 16 and Heather was with it, I would have been with it. You would have been with it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. T- I don't know. And I don't, I, I comfortably say that because of where, and don't get me wrong. As a grown man, it's easy to look back now and realize how un- emotionally um, immature I was to even be engaging in sexual activities mm-hmm. at that age. There's a lot of emotional weight. You don't think about it at the time at all. Uh, but yeah. with the older you get, you look back and you're like, damn, like that was a lot to be doing at 16, 17 and thinking that shit normal. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of shit. I still would have done it. On the flip side, if this was a grown man and a 16-year-old girl, yeah, I'd have lost my fucking mind. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And it it's... could be the same scenario. She could have the same, I would have lost my mind. And that's the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Because of I'm a man, you looked at a certain way for getting at this woman. I hear you. It's and fucked up. I, I might be fucked up. The, I, but I feel you too. And I struggle with this too, especially like now and having the information we have and having the language that we have now. I didn't look at it as assault either. I didn't look yeah. at it as predatory either. Strange. Absolutely. Strange, for sure. And, I mean, shout out to Meg, this pussy depressed. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) like, I get it. Yo. (laughs) Niggas that have some sad ass sex. I get it. But also, (laughs) I don't know if this broken, sad pussy is about to get wet for Drew. And I understand, yes, the chivalry. You looked out for me. You've been more of a man to me than my husband has been. You're not a man. You've been more of that to me than this nigga that I'm committed to. It's weird, and and maybe because it wasn't an ongoing affair, like I didn't marry Kayla Turno. This, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it is strange. And to your point, on the flip side, even as a a teen who knew men in their twenties, <laughs> that and the third, you know, the shit is fucking. I don't. It's not different, but it's different. And it's weird. It's listen. In to- it's inappropriate both ways, but totally inappropriate the other way. You know, totally. Yeah. And I think maybe I don't want to say because men be predators, because obviously women are too. But I, I don't know. There was no coercion or manipulation in it, and I understand what they were saying, like Drew literally became a man on the vineyard you know he grew up we ain't see iago past dr wade's house you know what i'm saying that second time right he put away he became a man he put away childish things <laughs> all right what's that first corinthians oh man yeah that's in first corinthians for sure um i quote that anytime somebody asks me to go out past 10 p.m 
<laughs> straight up, man. <laughs> like, I'm, but I'm, but I feel you. It's very crazy, and I like that. It. I don't want to say I like that. It was endearing, like. If he was at least 18, I, it wouldn't really be an issue. If he was 18, it wouldn't have been an issue. It wouldn't be an issue. But it is strange. This He's a teenager. A young teenager at that. You know what it, you know what it reminded me of? What? Another fucked up situation on a different level. It reminded of how Mia described having sex with Harper. Mm. This kind of that sweet he was somebody i needed he was there when i needed him yeah that's like obviously these are two completely different situations because For sure. there was no relationship between heather and drew right um, but i think we both said it there wasn't anything it's i think the reason that we have to bring this up in the first place is because it needs to be you can't hear what you don't reveal and mm-hmm. we can't keep hiding behind shit, acting like it doesn't happen when everybody knows it happens. Sure. I think it goes back to what I just said. Like it's amazing to me that I couldn't find anybody related to this film who had a comment about that scene. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's no way you can put this out and not expect people to be like, huh? Like I, they right. did it very, it was it was very tasteful. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it wasn't anything where I was like, this is predatory. Nobody was manipulated. Nobody did anything against their will. It was very consensual, very sweet, mm-hmm. very, very odd. Very All I want to say, yeah. hopefully nobody out there, um, because you know, when you get to if Drew's 12, 11, 10, you have a whole different conversation and a whole different category um, of that conversation. So Hopefully nobody's you know taken aback or offended, um, but it did happen, and I didn't want to act like it didn't happen. And I yeah. think we are mature enough to have the conversation, yeah, and give our thoughts on it. And honestly, we would love to hear your thoughts on it as well. Very um, much so. Please jump in the because I see both sides of it. You can, yeah. I I say and do fucked up shit all the time. Like I'm I'm aware that it's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, so. I don't, this might be in that category. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I just did. If I was 16, I'm going to love to hear people's response to that. Is this like your mama friend that fucked you, low key? She ain't your mama friend, but she an auntie friend. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, just some woman that said, I'm going to put it on you. Like, if I'm out and I've seen this, if I was 16, because I knew, and I've always been an old soul, but I knew the, I, I was very aware of every decision I made. Mm-hmm. Good and bad. Yeah, for right? sure. I did knucklehead sixteen year old shit. Mm-hmm. That's not a knucklehead sixteen year old decision. That's a yeah. I'm with it. Yeah, I'm with it. Like we make the and like I said, not to make light of these situations. You see a large uptick of women teachers mm-hmm. having these inappropriate relationships with their mm-hmm. high school students. Yeah, and you'll hear men. Where was these women at when we was in high school? Right. I'm not saying it's right or whatever the case is. I'm just saying it's it's yeah. as after I don't think you're gonna get too many, and we just praised Drew about not having that type of stuff on his mind. Mm-hmm. He didn't force it, he didn't try to get her, he wasn't trying to game her. It just happened. Yeah, sometimes it's just like that. So that's kind of all I gotta say about it. He pre-exposed his minor to sex. Now <laughs> and that's the that's the harm of it. Yeah, like I said, this conversation we we could have a whole another episode about that itself. Yeah, um, 
once again, another week in the books conversation. That's a whole for different, sure. there's a but, whole another platform for stuff like that. But yeah, we didn't want to go without addressing it. Um, I think the only other thing I had was the ending. Rachel, I don't know if you have any other scenes no, that you want to go with. Scenes. Again, yeah, him coming home, <laughs> being out all night, not knowing. I mean, I've I remember the first time I was out all night. I, I got a different response. It wasn't as wonderful, but just that moment where Kenny knew, like, give me a minute. Yeah, like let me. You good? You all right? All right, cool. And you know what's understood ain't got to be said. And I'm sure he smelled Heather on him just like Drew, just like Junior did. Hey, you feel me? Mm -hmm. That's a certain scent. Yeah. Hey, Junior grabbed that nigga hands and put it up to his nose. (laughs) Come on, man. And I love the fact that Drew stood tall. Yeah. You tell me what happened? Like, nah, we good. He learned that lesson way earlier than I did. So, um. Quotes. You got any quotes? Uh, yeah, but not a lot. Even though I feel like we've said quite a few, but just uh, what's a clitoris? It's like a guitar string when you pluck it. Hello, somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lessons for to a young brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, where's the Black Panther? I love that so much. Uh, and how you doing? Still a virgin? Just Junior being ridiculous. Um, he was a common Harlem hoodlum killed by common Harlem hoodlums. Again, we talk about Spence being mm. ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, hey now, just because I love a good catchphrase and consider the time. Hey now, you know, and uh, Junior hitting that rerun earlier, so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just bitties and titties, just because that shit was funny. Hell yeah. Bitties and titties and titties are definitely on my list. Uh, you named a lot of mine. Mm-hmm. One was at that party, at the house party. Mm-hmm. Uh, here she is. Here she is. Oh, that's too nasty. That's too nasty. But I can't help it. Do the doggy. Do the doggy. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm nasty. I'm nasty. Gotta... Uh, come on, come on. Step right up, Huey. Just the little <laughs> Black Panther Huey shots that he was throwing throughout the movie. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the age-old classic from uh, Henry. Mm-hmm. I ain't a man, huh? You wasn't saying all that last night. Come on, Harold. <laughs> hey, age-old classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Harry. My bad, not Henry. Harry. <laughs> Dean Stiller. This is an ensemble cast. So I personally have, like, my favorite mm-hmm. actor and then my favorite, like, minor character. So I want to hear yeah. what you got. Okay. Well, even just before that, I guess it's kind of related. Just in my random things, Glenn Turman and Joe Morton are so good together. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And dare I, I don't know. Um, uh oh. What you about to say, man? I might, I might have to give Joe my scene stiller if I can. Right, P. Yeah. That's why you my nigga, my nerve. <laughs> Joe is, I wrote it down, Joe was my favorite performance. Yeah. In this film, which is extremely, I think we emphasize already, mm-hmm. that was extremely hard to say. Because yeah. everybody bodied what they were supposed to do in this movie. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. did. But Joe was my favorite performance. Um, but my scene stiller, as far mm-hmm. as like just a a, 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 the, a more minor character, mm-hmm. Dwayne Martin. 
Okay. Dwayne Martin, man. I'm going to give him some props. You're going to give it to if, him. The more you watch it, the more you enjoy him. Mm-hmm. I liked his character because Junior stereotypically should have been an asshole. He could have he could have been that dickhead big cousin. Yes. I don't want you with me. My mama told me you got to be around, but I ain't going to like it. He could have yeah. been that, but he was protective of him. Even mm-hmm. when he got like pushed at the party and he ran out, like Drew, like he wanted to make sure he, he came looking for him whenever he was lost. Yeah. He was very, it's hard to go visit a cousin that you haven't seen in five years mm-hmm. and talk to. Like I said, this is pre social media, pre cell phones. Yeah. Like to just to be dropped in and expect y'all to be cool and for Drew to be who he was and for Junior to be on some, you know what? Fuck it. You cuz, like it's all good. Yeah, like, you can do that weird shit with me. Like they they found some common ground when Junior brought his girl up. Mm-hmm. You hungry, ain't you? Ain't you hungry? Like the fact that Drew picked up on it. Um, okay. It took a little second, but he picked up on it. Um, yeah, I'm... he could have easily been mean, but he wasn't. So I give him some props. I like that character. Um, I didn't like his friends. I thought they was lame. Yeah, Mullinder. Um, but they were also sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With that, I might. Go ahead and say Mary Alice as Grandma Evelyn. Mm. She is a quiet force. Everything that she said, her dismissal and immediate shade of Brenda when they first got to the vineyard, her dismissal and shade towards Kenny, even when she finally did get on Francis's ass, like you know how she is. Um when she finally was able to have a breakthrough with Brenda, you know, Brenda, I love you. When she clearly saw that her daughter was, was really struggling, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I might say, I might, I might have to give it to Mary Alice just because she's a quiet force, almost like a Nicole Bahari, like just in that quiet, strong energy. I like that comp. I like that comp. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I'm not mad at it at all. Things that bother you. I got a couple things. Let's um, just keep writing to the same thing. That, go ahead. I'm gonna say let's keep it to the right same thing. There's no real discussion about Brenda and her mother's issues. Yeah. Obviously, it's there. Um, greeting someone with you're looking fat is insane. <laughs> um Black Mama 101. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, come here, baby. And just there's a little bit of heartbreak you have when her arms are out. I'm like, not you, my other, my my real baby, my little baby, whatever. There's something there, and just for it to be with that Brenda, I love you. Mm-hmm. Once again, maybe it's not what's understood doesn't need to be said, but I would love to know a little bit more about that. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we get it, I get it. It happens. It's a it's a black mama, black daughter type of thing. I understand. Um, we never meet Geechee Gale. <laughs> I would have really loved wanted to, to know who Gucci. Who, yeah, I would have loved to see Geechee Gale. And the last thing was this nigga only took one lobster. Like you, you you go all the way down there and only grab one lobster. Like that about it. Like you supposed to take a few of them, bro. And do what with them? Eat them. What you talking about? Sell them, <laughs> flip them. I don't know shit. Something. If I'm going 30 feet under underwater and I can't swim, I'm getting more than one lobster. How many was in the trap? Who knows? It was you you going back. <laughs> you can't tell me that was the last lobster. Nigga, you can grab a few. Might have been. That is too funny because now I got to go back and see how many was in that trap. Um, Drew getting pushed at the dance just because, nigga, keep your hands off me. 
Um, and then Drew sitting on Lauren's porch all night, like I'm I'm not sitting there from sunup to sundown, like you I'm gonna have to leave. I'm not staying here all night. That that was really it for me. And again, maybe just um no, that's it. That's it for me. I love this shit. How I don't know if this has come see about me, but I just want to ask you, how much credit does Drew get for going to get that lobster? She says she wanted a lobster. He said he ain't got the bread. She told him where to get the lobster. And the nigga it, got the lobster. It's not a come see about me, but it's definitely a show and prove. Like, okay. Yeah, show and prove. Yeah, go ahead and step for it's me. Impressive. It's, it's impressive. impressive. it's impressive. It's okay. impressive. I do have one thing that bothers me. On the beach, initially, when we first truly meet Lauren and Drew it's like you working on your pirouette and you gotta you gotta leap and kick it you can't that's not the same thing that was only my only thing just as a former in my former life dancer Understood. like no a pirouette is a and a leap is a jump It you don't leap into a pirouette turn that's all <laughs> I appreciate that technical insight you know that's we love it we love it Many lives, people. Many lives. <laughs> any, any actors from The Wire? Absolutely, Glenn Turman. Glenn, duh. incredible. Yeah, Mayor Claire, Mayor Clarence Royce in The Wire. Mm -hmm. Um, incredible character. For those of you wondering, yeah, that's the only duo from The Wire. Absolutely, there is not. There's one more person who is in The Wire that's in this film. Her name is Stacy Davis. She's one of the girls at the party. When uh, Drew comes up and says his little line, and they ask if you're waiting for the bus. I don't know if that's her that said it, but I believe she's in that group. She played Miss Duquette in season four of The Wire. That's the season with the kids, as everybody says. Yeah. Um, they had the special classroom with the corner kids. Mm -hmm. She was one of the assistants, the teachers in there observing them. Um, so that's who she played in that in that show. Um, so she was also in The Wire. Stop playing with me about this Wire shit, y'all. I really do this. I'm <laughs> wired down, top to bottom. Greatest show of all time. Wouldn't let that happen to me. Rachel, you got anything? I already said it. Okay. Oh, my fault. I thought that was things that bothered me. Uh, wouldn't let that happen to me is definitely I'm not getting mush in the face for a dance. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can. You yeah. might necessarily be able to control somebody putting mm -hmm. their hands on you, but it's not ending at that, bro. Yeah. Like, it's not ending at that at all. And um, as a good Reverend Jeezy has recently reminded y'all, you know, real niggas don't cheat. Shout out to Reverend Jeezy. Um, he, he's going on his uh his run. He's letting y'all know real niggas don't cheat. So not a cheater. But if I were to live that life, I'm not running around town like Harry. Yeah. Just recklessly. Yeah. Like this is this is Martha's Vineyard, bro. This is not that large. Not that big. I wrote that down like in my random things. Like Harold was so bold. You want a new beach? That oh. one, okay. A little secluded. The audience was a little bit different. Nigga, niggas ain't really coming out there. You know, maybe some white tourists. But just walking around town where everybody can see you and everybody knows who you are and everybody knows your wife. Bold as hell. Ridiculous. Super bold. Super bold. Uh, trivia. We already talked about Trey Ellis hating this film. Um, denouncing it, the whole nine. It was to the point where he had his name replaced on the final version with the fictitious, fictitious name of Tom Rickenstranza. 
Mm. Rick Estranger is Italian for rich bitch. So he wanted his name off of it and used that as a um, pseudonym, you know, fake identity, fake mm. identity. You already mentioned the different world connection and your whole six degrees of separation, three degrees, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as Lorenz Tate being cast for this film, Jada was already cast and she was friends with Lorenz and told, called him and said, hey, like, let's let's work on our lines together because I know they're going to screen you with me. Let's go ahead and do it. He went in there he, and he told her, like, we don't even really need to practice. Like, just follow my lead and we'll just play off each other because we know each other. Killed it, obviously. What um, really was the deciding factor is the studio cannot believe that this is the same dude to play O-Dog. Mm. Like, the fact that you play O-Dog and you can do this, like, you're hired. Lorenz well, Tate. All the flowers, man. Like, they offered us, they, they were so impressed they offered him on the spot. So, that's pretty much it for trivia. We get to the end of the episode. One of our longer episodes, right there. We really yeah. love this movie. Uh-huh. Get to the end of the episode. The average viewer race this film don't piss me off oh you about to be pissed 6.3 out of 10 we both know it's too low so let's go ahead and what you got rachel eight one seven nine okay seven nine seven nine so um man listen y'all this is this is one of those episodes that reminds me why we do this. Absolutely. One of those you can just have so many layers. I lie your ease by you. I lie your if Beale Street could talks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more than just a film. Yeah. Um, you can have, we could have had another two hours if we structured it that way. Um, but we're not going to do that. We gave y'all a lot. We appreciate y'all for tuning in, for watching, for listening. We will never take that for granted. We'll never, um, you know, not take an opportunity to remind y'all of that. Thank you. Thanks. Shout out to school. Shout out to him on his anniversary. Anniversary school. School's yeah. Pl- yeah, yeah. School's good to pleasures. We got y'all. It's coming back this week. Please make sure you're subscribed to that. Please make sure you are sharing with a friend. Shout out to our good our, our good uh brethren over there at another week in the books. Shout out to y'all. Shout out conversation to Thank you. For sure, for sure. Yeah, the fact that they even inspired this pick was pretty dope. Even though you danced around with Inkwell for quite some time. Um, yeah, love this movie. Love this movie. And I think this episode pretty much, um, you know, relays that. So thank you, Ray P, as always, for being the GOAT and just being you. I love you as always. For everybody you. out there listening, we love y'all. We will see y'all next week. Y'all be cool. How y'all be cool. Peace out, guys. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> we out. <laughs>